Trey Trades, how's it going, brother? Oh, another day, another day. I see you got my name in the back there. That's oh yeah, you like cool. that? How about that, <laughs> dude. That's uh, that's some hard work. That's some good handwriting. I dig it. Cracking a beer oh, yeah. too, huh? Oh, absolutely. What you got All right, there? I'll pour some cracking. The the king, the god okay. of the Black Lagoon. I, I always man. hear you talking it's about it, dude. What is cracking? I've I've literally never heard of it outside of your show. Okay, so the story is kind of funny. The story is kind of funny. I I started drinking cracking in college because there was a cheap rum, and I didn't like uh, I didn't like. Uh, Captain Morgan, it's, it's whatever. It's something you drink when you're 17, you know? Uh, so <laughs> I've kind of, I've kind of evolved and, uh, it's, it's just been my go-to man. I'm a, I'm a dark whiskey, dark rum kind of guy. Okay. It, it tucks in tonight, you know, makes you feel some sort of way. Dude, I'm kind of similar. I, I'm a yeah. big whiskey guy. I, I have a glass of whiskey every single night and I don't drink Jack Daniels. I drink one level down. I drink Evan Williams. To me, it just tastes better. Oh, it's smooth. Yeah. I love it. So, you know, I, I, I can relate to that. So uh, thanks for hopping on the show, man. Appreciate you being here. Um, I've been, like I said, when I hopped on your podcast, been following you for several weeks now, only a short amount of time, but in that short amount of time, dude, I'm probably spending like an hour a day watching your, your videos, staying up to date, uh, with everything that's going on. As you know, I found you through following the AMC stock. So, you know, there's a lot that I want to dive in here to, uh, today before we get started, obviously just want to say that I'm not a financial advisor. You're not a financial advisor. This is not financial advice, but we're going to go ahead and get into some stocks because that's what you do. You're trade trades. Um, just want to say, man, everything that I've seen on your channel, I've learned so much and has been so educational for me. So I'm just dying to know, like, how long have you been doing this? Like what got you into the whole stock market and how long have you been learning and, and, and how did you get so much knowledge? No, dude, it's 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 really cool. It was really cool. When, I, when people were telling me you were in the chat bar on one of my live streams, I was like, "No freaking way! Let's go! That's so cool." But um, honestly, my 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 journey to stocks and investing was was pretty goofy. I didn't anticipate it happening. It happened really fast. So I used to be a really competitive runner uh, throughout college, throughout high school. I was a long distance guy, so training for the marathon. My ultimate goal was to qualify for the Olympic, uh, Olympic trials, and I ended up having some some heart conditions pop up. So uh, I have something called supraventricular tachycardia. It causes irregularity of the heart, uh, heartbeats. And I've actually had some bladder infarctions, which are like fancy talk for heart attacks. Uh, and I'm 23 years old. So obviously that's problematic. I couldn't continue running anymore. Uh, and I had to find something else to do. And like there was that one month period of time after I'd quit what I thought was going to be my lifelong goal to, to qualify for the Olympic, Olympic trials. You know, I trained for 12 years, got pretty close. I could run a marathon of probably 225. You need to run 219 to make it. Uh, and there was like a month period of time where I was just not having it, man. Like just, like just depressed, didn't have any purpose in life. Like I'm the kind of guy that's got to have something to do, you know, yep, I can't I'm the same way. that's not my thing. Yeah, man. Oh, I, I can see it. You know, it's, it, it obviously comes through. And, uh, you know, with that being said, I, I had a friend, his name was Brandon, uh, from Fargo, North Dakota. I'm from Minnesota. I don't know if you knew that or not. You could probably hear the, the accent. Uh, the accent. It, it was one of my questions I got so coming like, up. It was it, was it? Yep, yep. Minnesota, <laughs> that, huh? Minnesota. Yeah, Minnesota. That is what it is. Draw out those vowels. <laughs> don't even say the consonants, man. There's no need. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I, I had a buddy. His name was Brandon, and his dad was playing on Fidelity. Just with his long-term stocks, I think he was trading Wells Fargo, had that as a long-term investment, JP Morgan, just some like real basic, you know, banks, that sort of stuff. And I was like, what you doing? And he just kind of walked me through like a 10 minute roundabout. Uh, yeah, this is just my long-term investment. So I was like, huh, okay, that's kind of interesting. So I took, you know, two weeks after that, and this was probably back in October of 2020. Two weeks after that, I just did some, some bare bones reading. I was like, you know, what is investing? What's the market? 
How do I, how do I go about making a trade? How do I invest? And initially I want to get into long-term investing. So my, my first long-term investment that I ever made was, uh, was with, 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 with uh, Wells Fargo, which is what he got into. And I lost a, a crap ton of money, just like, bam, basically <laughs> lost like uh, a couple thousand dollars. I was like, well, that was stupid. So I stepped away for a couple of weeks and, and did more reading. And I, 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 what I found was this guy named Rainer Teo. He is a technical analysis teacher. His YouTube channel has got like a million subscribers. And I just watched him for a month straight. And I took notes. I'd watch him for two hours a day, every day for literally a month. And just trying to learn the ins and outs, watch his videos three, four times a piece, just so that I knew what I was, you know, trying to understand. And then I, I took another stab at it, you know, uh, 10 trades, first 10 trades, I probably lost on six or seven of them, you know, didn't make much money. But after that, uh -huh. you know, it started clicking. And I was like, man, this is kind of fun. I, I turned a couple thousand dollars, like 2000 into 8,000 in, in about a month. And wow. I was like, dang, <laughs> this is fun. Hell yeah, and I dude. decided to start the YouTube channel, you know? Um, and then from there, I started that in mid-December, 2020, which would have been about three months no ago, way. December 16th. Yeah. yeah dude, you yeah, started three stuff. months ago. Uh, your YouTube channel? Yeah, Holy yeah. shit. You're just so. going balls to the walls. Yeah. You're about, you're creeping on 200 K <laughs> man. That is crazy. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't Holy make sense. Shit. I got lucky. Dude, man. It, it took me over a year to get a thousand subscribers. Really? Like, over a year to get a thousand no subscribers. And here you are fucking balls deep in the YouTube game. <laughs> that is great, bro. Congratulations. Dude. I was going to congratulate you on that because it's crazy. Like how fast your channel has grown. That's freaking awesome, man. And another thing that I noticed is like, I watched a video about your CPM, about how, how high it is. Um, anything to do with, you know, obviously you're talking about money, dealing with money. So there's a lot more opportunity for advertisers to find that niche and have a much higher CPM. Me like doing pranks and stuff. So you're averaging what, like about $12,000 or $12 per thousand views from what I saw in your video, right? Uh, on RPM, yeah, RC, yeah, RPM. So after they take their cut, I get the right, between right. twelve and fifteen bucks or so. So the CPM is like twenty-five to thirty, depending on the video. That's video. crazy, man. Yeah, I'm yeah. like for me, it's like a dollar. Really? Yeah, <laughs> dude, blows. Screwed, man. That sucks. That sucks. You need yeah, to you need to rebrand it. Stocks. Yeah, exactly. I'm gonna have to get into it here. Uh, that's crazy, man. Yeah, but yeah, so I found you through AMC. Um, dude. I, I'm just, I, I love it. I love everything. Like I've, I've, you know, invested before, but never like I have been uh, this year in 2021. So I, you know, after the whole GameStop frenzy happened, I, I found AMC, I think just through, you know, I don't know. I follow the tickers on stock twits and social media. And one thing led to another and I stumbled across AMC. And as I said, when I was on air on your podcast, I invested heavily into AMC when it was at $4.00. Um, and two days later made just a, a ton of money. Um, you know, Damn. that ended up getting cut in half, but I still made a very, very, uh, good profit on that investment. So, right. um, ever since then I've been trying to, you know, d day trade a little bit, which I, I lost a decent amount of money trying to, trying to be a day trader because I didn't educate myself. I didn't learn about it. I just thought, oh, I'd made this great investment with uh, AMC. I could probably just do this yeah, on anything. Right, not, not quite how it works. So, you know, I'm, I'm trying to <laughs> trying to learn a lot more, which, you know, it's a process. It, if you're going to do it, you almost have to do like what you did. Just go fully, you know, balls deep in this thing and do nothing but just learn, learn, learn and figure out what it is that works best. Um, so, I mean, what do you do? Like, what are the basics that you learned at first that really uh, helped you? 
kind of get a good feel for everything that you do with uh with day trading day trading is a lot different than investing so you, you've right. got you know two kind of worlds of the market oh it, it, one of them is investing one of them's trading investing is about um long-term fundamental value of a company um you know technical analysis matters a little bit like it's 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 useful to find the best entry point and the best exit point but that's like 10 percent of the puzzle you know the rest is you know fundamental so it's the the, the balance sheets what is their competition in the market how are they going to pair uh compare you know a year down the road two years down the road five years down the road what kind of time span are you looking at you know that sort of thing trading is the exact opposite the, the fundamental value of the company doesn't matter a lick not even a little bit uh, it's all about reading psychology of charts and taking advantage of momentum and sentiment. So if you can learn what the candlesticks are telling you, essentially they tell you, you know, the charts tell you what people are thinking and how they feel about the stock in that current moment. If you can learn the psychology and the motions of traders, because that's what 90, 90% of it is, is just people that are like, ah, you know, this is going up. So I'm going to buy in right now. FOMO hits, FOMO yeah. hits, you know, and then on the way down, it's all FUD, which is fear, uncertainty, doubt. It's like, oh crap, going down, better sell. You know, it's, it's taking advantage of those candles and learning how to get in, get out at the right time. Something that Jordan Belford said, and I think this is something that would, would if I had known this, when I started trading, I probably wouldn't have lost as much. You want to catch the end of the beginning and the beginning of the end. And what that, what that means is don't try to time the absolute bottom on an entry. Don't time, uh, don't try to time the absolute top. So when you, when you feel good that it's, it's begun a new upward trend, when you find that exact moment, it's like, okay, there's no doubt in my mind right now that this is now going up, right? You buy it at that point. You don't want to guess because if you guess you might be wrong, you might lose money. Right. And then on the, on the flip side, don't try and time that top because only a handful of people get to hit that top. So it's just about finding those small margins and then rinsing and repeating. So, so just, just quick plays and not getting greedy when you're up. You have to lose money to learn to make it. Right. Yeah. Exactly, man. That's it. At least for day trading. Okay. For sure. Uh, and it's it's really hard to, to rein in emotions because you could have like the basic understanding. You could know how to read charts like to a T, but that doesn't take into consideration because I'm sure you know how it is. The emotional side of things when you're, when you're looking at the chart and you're up like freaking oh, 2000, yeah. $5,000, $10,000, whatever it is. And you're like, Oh, well, let's see how much more I can make <laughs> baby. Like it's hard to, to wrap that in. You know what I mean? So like I've seen a lot of people talk about is like certain kinds of patterns. There's a bunch of different patterns that day traders look for. For instance, I've heard a lot about like the, the cup and the handle or whatever. What, what, what are some patterns that you look for and yeah, how do you recognize yeah, right. them? Good question, man. I, I use a really, really simple trading strategy and there's people out there will have 6,000 indicators on their charts, but to be real with you, man, I can't freaking read them. I can't like, I can read them, <laughs> but it just clutters things, you know? So I keep it simple. I look at the charts and I look for exactly like you're saying, man, just setups. That's it. Um, I look for breaks, uh, over levels of resistance. So essentially a resistance line is a price point that has, you know, it touches at least three times on a candle and it's hard to break for whatever reason or another, the market does not want to push over that level of resistance. So when you get that push, you can ride momentum and then and bring it up from there. Um, so that's one way that you can play it. And there's different ways that there's resistance lines. You can have them, you know, uh, you know, horizontal, just, you know, flat lined, or they can be descending, you know? So if it's, you know, you just have this downward channel of price action and it finally breaks out of that, you can play that break out of the, the downward channel to sell off and then play it as like a bounce play. So that's one in particular. There's, there's like, I don't know how many exactly, you know, quite a few different, different uh, candle patterns and, and chart patterns, but that's the main one that I play. The second one being uh, bullish flag or wedge setups. So if you have a descending level of resistance, meaning there's this trend line uh, of descending uh, price action, which a stock can't break over on a chart, 
Uh, you have that and you have an ascending level of support, which is what's holding up the stock. So you've got this, this ascending line, which is for whatever reason or another, not able to break underneath. Uh, and it, it kind of winds down in price action. It forms either a flag or a wedge. And you get a break over that descending level of resistance. You can play that as well. So I'm really, really particular about the trades that I take. If you just pick them willy nilly, you're gambling, you're taking guesses, you know, and that's uh, over the long term, you're not going to make money like that. So you got to be really particular. And I just look for exact setups. And if they're not there, I don't take the trade. Okay. Right on, man. Right Sometimes on, man. You're wrong. Sometimes you're wrong, but that's just the way it goes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Nobody about, ever knows uh, exactly how about you? How's your, uh, your day trading been going? Uh, so, you know, I'm, I'm bullish on AMC. So I, ever since I got back into AMC, I personally have not been doing any day trades at all. I'm just, I'm just riding the wave because I don't, I don't want to miss it in case it lifts off, which I personally think that, you know, it's, uh, it's just a matter of time. Uh, of course, nobody ever knows, but uh, you know, I, I just I like the stonk a lot. There it is, man. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's the move. Uh, you you do the right thing, dude. I mean, obviously, I'm not a financial advisor, and nobody knows for sure, but I I am so so bullish on AMC. I think you're gonna make money again. What? Why are you so bullish on AMC? I'm bullish on it because there there are big hedge funds, which are essentially the the people with the one percent of wealth, right? They're the one percent, the really really top dogs. Uh, the toots, I call them the pigs, but uh, you get the picture here. The picture suits, here. the pigs. Um, they are shorting the stock. The suits and the pigs, man. <laughs> you know what it is, 100%. <laughs> They're shorting the stock. And some people out there might not know what that is, but that's essentially betting that the stock goes down. So they will borrow stock from a clearinghouse, which essentially, you know, can purchase and lend shares. And they just charge interest, you know, per, per year. It's some sort of annualized short borrow fee rate. They lend it to them and they sell it into the market and have to buy them back at a lower price to be profitable. Well, in this scenario with AFC, uh, it's, it's continually rose up in price action they haven't covered yet, meaning that they have to buy back higher. Now, when they buy back the stock higher, they're still buying it from market value which is going to drive up the price action. It can cause something called a short squeeze, uh, as you already know, obviously, but for people who don't. Um, and the short squeeze is massive. It causes crazy, 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 crazy runups. Like what happened with Tesla when it went from $70 to you know 800 or whatever it was, that was like a, a nine month, 10 month long short squeeze. Because what would happen is shorts would uh, you know establish a position and then they'd lose money. They would cover. The stock would go down a little bit. They would they would buy back in. They doubled down their short position, and it would go back up. And it rinsed and repeated for literally nine or ten months. And honestly, I think that's the way that AMC is going to play out. Not that the companies are similar in the least bit, but I think it's going to be this process of like months long, where where hedge funds will double down their short positions, keep selling into the market, and they just keep getting clapped they're gonna get clapped dude it's just they're not they're not learning they're not learning reddit users and uh the fellow apes out there just uh they've got them on the ropes <laughs> yeah man it's crazy it's a whole new age um so i want to talk you know like i said i watch you all the time i feel like i know you as a person but there's still a lot that i don't know about you so you're, you're from minnesota uh minnesota did you uh did you live there your whole life I did, man. I, uh, so my, my mom and dad were originally from Montana and they met really? over there. They ended up moving a couple different places. My father was in the military. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Uh, the, the, not the cool part of Montana though, like right next to the border of North Dakota. So just like, uh, okay. just a, a piece of crap looking wasteland of nothing, but <laughs> it was, it's cool. It's vibe, whatever, whatever. Uh, little, little town called Scobie, uh, was where my dad was from. And then my mom grew up in a place called Plentywood. So little, little small town. I think it was like a thousand people that lived there. They ended up going to a couple different places. My father lived in North Carolina for a long time. They ended up divorcing. Um, and I moved to Minnesota with my mom after she met my stepdad uh, in Colorado. 
And in Minnesota, we call it Colorado. I know so it's a Colorado, Colorado thing. Minnesotans call it Colorado. That's, that's the movement. Are you, uh, you know, a sports guy? Did you play sports growing up? Are you more, I mean, it seems like you're pretty good with numbers and math. So you had to have been good at school. Or were you one of those guys that just did both? Country track, uh, track guy and a wrestler. Not a good wrestler, albeit. <laughs> I was pretty, pretty mediocre, but I like, uh, I like working hard. I don't have good hand-eye coordination in the least bit, uh, but I, I stay pretty fit. So I like working out. I like lifting. I like running, that sort of stuff. Um, and that, that was where my cup of tea was. Um, math, to be honest with you, I always liked um, like numbers, but I didn't like geometry. I don't like abstract thinking. I like just being able to crunch numbers, and that's, that's it. <laughs> and, uh, it is what it is. I honestly never thought I'd get into you know, finance or that sort of thing just because I never really learned about it in high school, and it wasn't you know, my cup of tea. But um, here we are now, and it's <laughs> surprising enough. Yeah. Nice, man. So where, where are you now? Where do you live now? I am living in Oklahoma, so I'm here for, oh. uh, for my job, for training. I unfortunately got uh, pulled into a couple of meetings for, for violating some rules. I'm not, I'm not even allowed to talk about my work anymore, which is <laughs> – it is what it is. I wish I could. I wish I could, but, um, yeah, apparently I can't do that. It's a no-no on YouTube, so. Are you allowed to talk about the rules that you violated and why you can't talk about it? Yeah, I can mention that. Basically, my job doesn't allow me to discuss – what I do for a living, where I work specifically, like the exact location, and um, any affiliation with with my career, which is frustrating. It's frustrating because I like being transparent. I like sharing what's going on in my life. Uh, it's a pretty big piece of it. I do work a full-time job. I get up at, uh, you know, 3 o'clock in the morning every day, and then I, I knock out some YouTube stuff. I go to work at about 6, uh, depending on the day, sometimes later, sometimes 8 or 9, but I'm, I'm there until 3 or 4. And then I come back and do more YouTube stuff. And uh, so it's a big piece of my life, man. I mean, I work full time and um, it'd be fun to share about it, but it is what it is. Whatever. Hey, man, you're on the grind, though. I mean, that's that's a lot of work to work a full time job and do YouTube. It's super impressive what you're doing. Got to say, though, sucks you're in Oklahoma, man. I'm from Kansas originally. That's where I grew up, born and raised. It's, you know, very similar to Oklahoma. And man, there's not a lot to do out there. Yeah, man. (laughs) I call it the armpit of the United States. It is what it is. The toilet bowl, man. <laughs> what what, what yeah, do you do for fun? Do you ever stop it's, working? It's pretty boring. Good question. I watch anime. I'm kind of a weeb. I got to be real with you, man. I uh, I, I say it on, on my channel all the time. I'm a simple weeb. I like anime stocks and whiskey and, and rum. That's, <laughs> I, 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 that's I'm a really simple dude. So when I'm not doing YouTube, not uh, not working, whatever. I'll chat with uh, chat with the lady who that sort of stuff. Uh, I've watched Attack on Titan, Dragon Ball Z um i finished naruto twice one piece uh crap i've I've got an anime leg sleeve actually it's 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 pretty weeby but i'll do that and then on the (laughs) weekends go get some whiskey at the the local bar and and chat with some people and play pong and stuff and i don't know yeah dude i'm 23 years old go out and have fun exactly i was gonna ask you so you got a girlfriend how about you yeah it's I, i i do i do uh she she is like introverted super introverted and i'm like the exact opposite i'm super extroverted like i hate not talking to people like if i shut myself in my room for for 12 hours and i can't do anything but watch tv i go freaking nuts dude that's <laughs> that's not my thing i can't do it i gotta i gotta chat with people which is why the live streams are such a freaking blast like i don't know if you've ever done live streams i've watched some of your videos man your prank videos top notch and I, seriously what i dig is that it's it's a it's a cool sort of prank video like you're not trying to like piss people off or that sort of stuff and, and you give back too which is really sick i dig that a lot so like we've got a lot of the same common uh common denominators which is which is badass for sure and uh you know 
where was I going with that? I get on these rambles, dude. You watch my channel. You know, I, I, you know I appreciate I that, man. Seriously, that means a lot, though. I appreciate that. But uh, no, man, for, yeah, I didn't, I didn't sure. get to answer your question. But uh, for me, you know, same thing, just kind of taking it easy. I work all through the week. Um, I run and operate like like 12 different YouTube channels. Um, not just mine, but I have like a media company and we run a, a bunch of different stuff. Uh, like the daily dropouts, one of them, I have my vlog channel, my main channel. I, I have so many different channels that I'm running. Um, but yeah, I, I have a, a wife, a kid, one, one other kid on the way. So, uh, you know, uh, on the weekends, I'm usually Dude, just congrats. hanging out. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, same with you though. Drinking whiskey. Um, I like to play pool a lot. That's kind of my thing is, is pool. I used to play a lot of basketball, but then I I broke my arm in one of my videos. I broke it in like 30 different uh, places, and I, I only have like 50% mobility. Jesus Christ, man. That's metal. <laughs> Holy crap. <laughs> no, literally. You, you got to dunk on people no matter what it takes. <laughs> right? No, my arm is literally it's like half metal. Yeah. I have uh, 17 screws and three metal uh, plates holding my arm together. Dude. <laughs> Dude, that's sick. Yeah, man. You're like the, but, you're uh, like the freaking Terminator, man. man. <laughs> exactly. But back to the investing. I had a couple other questions because I wanted to know: are you are you investing in anything other than stocks, or is it mainly? Yeah, like yeah. The stock I do own market? a little bit of cryptocurrency. I own about a quarter of a Bitcoin. So my bankroll. I like I said, I just started YouTube uh, in December of 2020, mid December. So I'm just finally starting to, you know, pull in some of that, that income that I've, I've been very grateful to have because my channel's mad, crazy, lucky success, you know? Um, so now that I have that, I'm starting to put more of that in the market, but, um, you know, I've got about a quarter of a Bitcoin. It's worth, I think like $15,000 right now. Um, I have about a hundred thousand dollars spread between two portfolios. Uh, the portfolio that I share on YouTube is all in on AMC. I've got uh, like $36,000 in that. And then I've got a second portfolio with, with about $65,000. And that's a spread of uh, some, some long-term investments, about half of them, and then half of them swing trades. So stuff that I'll hold between two days to a couple of weeks at most. Just capitalize on momentum and, and uh, you know how the stock is rocketing on news or whatever it might be. And then I, I do have a property as well. So I, I own a house in North Carolina. I, I, I closed the, the deal on that back in December. And it's a, nice. it's a nice place. I dig it a lot. It's a, it's a four bed, three bath. I, I've got two of the bedrooms that I'm renting out for 600 bucks a piece. So that's, that's about $1,200 that I make every month. And I don't have to really do much for it, which is really cool. And uh, it's, it's chill. It's a, it'll be a blast for sure. Nice, man. Do you, uh, what do you think about like uh, sports cards and sports memorabilia for investing? I've never gotten into it, man, but I actually, my, my girlfriend's got a friend who has a YouTube channel and an Instagram that are massive. And what he does is he flips cards, which is it's like, I didn't even know that market existed. <laughs> yeah, like, dude. dude, that's insane. Like he's, he's sold single cards for like triple, uh, triple case, like six, yep. six figures. It's nuts. Like, like it's crazy, man. I've been getting into heck? that. I've been collecting sports cards super heavily. And then I collect a lot of sports memorabilia. I'm not sure if, uh, let me see if I can turn the screen here. You probably saw when I was on air with you, but I, I'm in the man cave right now. I got a whole row of jerseys, sports memorabilia, pretty much everything here. Yeah, it's all, man. all the way around. Um, but yeah, that that is actually thought, before AMC. Dude, it turned out to be like my my most profitable investments other than real estate. Like I, there's one Jordan piece that I bought in February for six thousand dollars last February. So barely a year. It's at thirty grand. I bought a, a LeBron James game used autograph piece of uh, floor for five thousand dollars in uh, same time one year ago. It's at twenty five grand. Like I've had a bunch of stuff like five X, and it's all stable 
like the upper deck, like the big guys like LeBron and Jordan and all of those guys have exclusive contracts with upper deck. So they can only sign autographs through them. So upper deck controls the entire market. Therefore, as, as far as that goes, when you buy something with them, at least from my experience, it, it hasn't gone down. It only continues to go up. And I think LeBron and Jordan, shortly after I bought a lot of this stuff announced, they're not doing autographs anymore. So that definitely helped increase the price. Yeah. Yeah. Cause yeah, like right, they're, right. they're all multi-billionaires or whatever. So they're, you, you can't even pay them a million dollars to sit in a room all day and sign autographs. So I've been investing in that, uh, sports cards I've been getting into because, you know, it, I've been offered because I have a sports dealer through I, I get all this stuff through he'll send me, you know, a box, a regular sports card box from 20 years ago that and it'll still have the sticker on it. It'll say 1999 or whatever, like some kid probably bought it at Target going for like, you know, four grand like that. That return is so crazy. So I, I, I've been trying wow. to get on that. That's some of that. That's it's part of great. yeah. That's part of my uh, long term plays. I've been buying a lot of sports cards, which obviously is very risky investment. But I mean, I think with the way that everything's going, it's been you know so digital that people really appreciate that you know it's it's, it's that nostalgia of just having something in your hand, something that's physical that you can open, and you're like, oh, what's going to be next? What's going to be next? So I think that uh, you know, long term, I think that that's something that could really hold a lot of value. It's just you know my personal opinion. No, you're totally spot on, man. It's all about supply and demand. That's uh, that's that's how any investment works. I mean, if there's, if there's a lot of supply that demand for, it's not that high. And as we shift towards, you know, everything being digital, like NFTs, the next big craze. Right now, man. And that's going to, I wouldn't say die eventually, but it makes, you know, physical, tangible things like cards, t-shirts, whatever it might be, you know, sports memorabilia worth that much more because it's a dying breed. I mean, think about yep. cars from 50 years ago. They don't make them anymore. The supply is gone. Demand is high. It's the same thing. You're spot on the money, man, for sure. Yes. Yeah, one thing I was going to ask you, it's funny you mentioned it. What What are your thoughts on NFTs? And do you, do you plan on um, investing into any NFTs? Sorry if my internet's a little, a little fricked up here. Yeah, man. I, I, I've actually invested into a couple of NFT companies, uh, you know, more as day trades. So there was a couple on the market, uh, TCAT and OCG that I played and I made some good cash, but I've actually started uh, creating NFTs and get, you don't think this is the goofiest thing ever, but um, in my videos, I, I go on Microsoft whiteboard and I'll take 10 or 15 minutes before I get into, you know, the meat and potatoes, whatever I'm talking about with AMC and I'll just drop a gorilla. I'll drop a gorilla, like hand stuff, whatever, whatever I want to do. And I've been clipping those out and people are like, dude, that is sick. I want to hang that on my wall. And it's just like freaking stick drawings of gorillas. So I'm going to make those into NFTs and I'm going to sell them, dude. <laughs> I'm telling you, uh, people sick, are actually dude. asking for it, which is insane. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. So, so how, how are you going to do that? Are you in contact with NFT uh, people or how do you plan on like rolling that out? Yeah, so I've got a, a business partner. He, he kind of handles the backdoor side of things, the, the financial, the business, uh, stuff that I just can't, I don't have the time for, to be honest. And we split profits, so uh, I, don't, I won't disclose that. But he, he, he takes a cut, I take a cut, and he handles all those sorts of transactions. So um, how he got it done, I'm going to be honest with you, I have no idea. <laughs> I probably should know, but I, I definitely don't. <laughs> uh, but but he, he's got the hookup, so we're gonna make it like like a basically a stock. So if there's a hundred shares available, uh, people are available to take a cut of you know that NFT and, and have you know partial ownership of that NFT. And I don't know how how exactly we're gonna you know break that down, but 
Um, we're going to have a specific number that we're going to sell. And then if people want one, they can have it. And then from there, they can sell it if they want. I mean, it's, it's basically like, you know, a share of a company or like a, like a, right. like a freaking basketball card or a baseball card or whatever you have. Right. It's, it's entirely up to how high the demand is. So it'll be, it'll be very interesting, man. I'm excited to see how that ends up panning out. The downside is like nothing. I mean, I've got nothing invested into it, you know? So if it doesn't pan out, whatever, you know, it was, it was worth trying at the very least. Yeah, man. Uh, that's interesting. Cause I'm all, I'm working with the company right now, creating some NFTs, like, you know, trading cards or like pieces of my videos or stuff like that. So I'm really interested to see how it goes. There's there's a lot of stuff you can do with it, too. Like you can set it up to where, say you made like, you know, 100 original cards, like it's, you know, numbered one out of 100. Uh, every single person that buys it, like you said, it goes up like a stock supply and demand. You can make it to where every time there's a transaction. So say you sell the 100 cards for, let's just say, you know, $100 each. And then um, whoever bought those cards, they go off and then they start trading with your fans and, and say, say, say Ricky buys your card for $100. Ricky then sells your card to Bobby for $200, uh, $100 profit. You can set it up to where you get X amount of each sale down the road. So it's like an algorithm that comes oh, back to you. Dude. So if say, you know, like, like with, uh, you know, Jordans that come out and they, they're released and it's $200, but now they're trading on stock X for $2,000. Jordan doesn't see any of that money. So that's, what's great about non-fungible tokens is you can set it up to where when the value rises and you've already, you know, sold out to the public, you still get a, a kick back on whatever sales there are in the future. So that's kind of sweet. Dude, that's fascinating. I actually didn't know that. I got to do more research. I got to be honest with you on NFTs. People keep telling me it's like going to be this, this next big thing. And I, I really got to dig into it because it's, it's like taken off. Like it's crazy how many, how many companies and people, YouTubers, content creators are getting into NFTs and people are buying it. Like, well, what was it? I saw somebody literally sold an NFT of a fart on a live stream. And made like a ridiculous amount of money on that. Like, wow. What? Yeah, I, I own that fart. I own that fart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's, That's exactly hilarious, it, dude. dude. Wow. I, like, like me yeah, personally, dude. I think Seriously. it's stupid. Like, I don't, I don't want to buy an NFT. Like, for me, I don't know. I have such a hard time. I think because I love investing into like sports memorabilia and, you know, stuff that I can hold in my hand, sports cards, like I was telling you about. And, you know, the NFTs that I at least have looked at have been like sports, um, you know, memorabilia or like highlight moments or whatever. And to think that I would pay so much money to have something that I can't hold in my hands, like I just have such a hard time wrapping my head around it. But hey, yeah. if, if everyone's doing it, you know, I'll hop in, I'll do it. I'll, I'll sell my NFTs. And if people want to buy them, great. You know, I appreciate the support. Uh, but it's so weird that, that like, that's a thing, you know? Oh, it's, it's mind blowing. Honestly, like the concept, when I was talking with my, my buddy about it, uh, you know, my, my, my financial manager, business manager, I was like, I really don't understand what you're talking about. Why would somebody <laughs> pay for this when they can literally just like, take a screenshot of, you know, blah, 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 whatever I posted on YouTube or, or Instagram or Twitter and just have it. You know what I mean? It's <laughs> just, I, I don't Seriously, understand man. it. Crazy. Sure. It's I mean, crazy. yeah, it's, it's a really weird concept, man. It really is. Cooking with Crisco, man. I, I got to know what that means. Cause I always hear you say it and I love how it sounds, but what, what does it mean? Tell me, please. It just means things are cooking, man. They're going well. It's, 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 okay. it's solid. It's popping. You know what it is? Um, 
when I was going up, growing up through high school and college, everybody kind of knew me as not the class clown, but the guy with a million cash phrases, you know, um, I always <laughs> I just, I, I try to, I, yeah, yeah, man, you know what it is it, I, for, for a while. It was, uh, it was, yo, every time I walked past somebody, I wouldn't say hi. They'd say, Hey, how are you doing, dude? And I'd be like, yo, I just point at him. That was it. Like, I just, I try, uh, I don't even think about it. I'll just be like chatting and like, Oh, that sounds kind of cool. I wrote it. Um, so that's just how I came over there cooking with Crisco. I, I think I got it because, when I was a kid, my mom used to make these Rice Krispie bars with like the chocolate on top, and she would always coat the pan with Crisco. And I always thought, man, Crisco sounds cool. Crisco sounds, it's just, <laughs> it's just got that cool, like the double K, the Crisco, baby. You know what I mean? It's, uh, it just it rolls off the tongue. Exactly. Crispy, you got it, man. You got it. For so, sure. so I didn't mean to interrupt. <laughs> what, what were you going to ask me? I was going to ask with your YouTube channel, you know, as someone who's done the game for a really long time, what sort of advice would you have for content creators out there who are just starting, uh, whatever it may be, whether it's investing, whether it's prank videos, whether it's education, uh, vlogging, whatever, whatever, you know, yeah. obviously it's a whole different, you know, spectrum everybody for everybody out there, but I've only been doing this for three months. To be honest with you, this is like getting thrown to the fire. Like I was caught off guard. I was not ready to go from zero to 170 K in three months. And that's not the situation for everybody. Some people, it takes a long time. Some people, they go faster. I mean, you never know. You never know. But I guess what I'm wondering is what you have as advice since you've done this game for so long, you know, maybe yeah, not yeah, even yeah. so much growth, but just like how to handle the channel, how to handle, you know, the entire, you know, culture of YouTube. Right. I mean, shit, I could go on forever about that, but really what it comes down to is, is there's four main things, four ingredients to making a successful YouTube channel. Um, number one and two kind of go together. And this is sad that this is even a thing because it has nothing to do with the quality of the videos, but title and thumbnail, man, title and thumbnail are gonna be two of the biggest things, especially when you're just trying to get out there, you're trying to get seen, you're starting off. You know, usually when you first start, your videos are gonna be shit compared to how they're going to be down the road. Like for me personally, I look back at my first videos and I'm like, holy cow, like these are so shitty compared to how my videos are now. That doesn't mean you can't start off and be great right away. But in my case, and in most people's cases, it's very rare. So um, you need to really focus on creating videos that have good titles that people would click on, good thumbnails. Um, you would probably you know, wanna save money and learn how to create them yourself. Um, there's also people out there that'll edit them for, for pretty cheap. Uh, so I recommend doing that. But after title and thumbnail, it's quality. Once you use those title and thumbnail to draw people in, you really want to have something that's going to make them stay. Something that's going to, you know, every time someone clicks on your video, you know, it could be their first impression of you. So what I always do is every video that I put out, I pretend like it is it is going to be someone's first time seeing me because it is every single video that you put out, someone's going to see you for the first time in that particular video. And you want to give them a reason to come back. You want to give them a reason um, to subscribe to your channel. So quality is super important. You can get the clicks and the views and the subscribers, but you got to be able to keep them and, and you have to have quality content in order to do that. So those are the top three things. And then um, lastly, and, and this is probably the most important is consistency. You need to be uploading. I would say no matter what your genre is, especially if you're starting off, once a week should be your absolute minimum. Um, anything more than that is better. It's, it's like a friend, man. Like you're going to be better friends with somebody that you see three, four times a week than somebody that you see once a week. 
it's it, everything on YouTube is it's it's like a family, you know. So people really relate to you. They that's why they're watching you. They they feel like they're spending time with you. So the more that you can upload, the more that you can give them that time, the more that they're really gonna fall in love with you as a person and be more inclined to come back to your channel. So that that that's probably the top four things that I would recommend. And then lastly, a few words of of encouragement would be don't give up. Don't expect results right away. Because uh, like I said, it took me a year to get a thousand subscribers and I was grinding my, my ass off and I didn't see any results at all, uh, but I loved it. So you have to be passionate about what you're doing. Um, so as long as you're passionate and you're able to keep pushing forward, obviously no one's going to, you know, do something for two, three years with no results if, if they don't like it. So I would say if you're going to do it, be passionate about it and don't give up and eventually, you know, I think that you'll you'll find your way as long as you follow that little recipe. That's that's it's really interesting that you say that, man, because I feel like I've come to the same conclusions. And I got, I wanted to ask you, with your journey to a thousand subscribers, what were the lessons that you learned? Because when I when I got to my first hundred, when I got to my first thousand, there was so many things that I learned. Because like you said, man, my first couple of videos, probably like yours, and we have the same sentiment, were dog shit. <laughs> they were so <laughs> bad. Like I went back and watched them, dude, and I was like, what is this shit? What the <laughs> heck? What am I doing? Like the the quality of my voice, like the way I just felt, it looked like I was uncomfortable on camera. The way I sounded was right. just uncomfortable. Like, you know what I mean? It just didn't flow. Um, so what kind of lessons did you learn? And like for people out there who are starting, you know, um, what's like, like for your first month, your first six months, your first year, you know, what, what would you say, you know, you had that you learned in your, in your first year to get to that thousand subs that that would maybe help somebody else. Right. So, I mean, I would say it's different for every single channel, every single genre, whatever you're doing, those mistakes are going to be different for each channel. But the main thing is, you know, no one really knows what their mistakes are going to be like. I could sit here and tell you, you know, all of my mistakes. You could sit here and tell me all of your mistakes. But at the end of the day, everybody's mistakes are going to be different. And the only way that you can learn those mistakes is by just getting out and doing it. I have so many people that have asked me, you know, or, or even friends that, that want to start YouTube channels or they're trying and they're so afraid to make mistakes. And, you know, same thing. They ask me, what, what can I do? And I just tell them, you just got to get out there and find your own mistakes. And that way you can correct yourself because everyone's mistakes are going to be different. And the only way to learn from your mistakes is just to get out there and fail. My favorite saying in the world is fail forward. That's the only way to succeed, in my opinion, is to fail, 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 fail. And then eventually, the same thing. yeah, you're yeah, going right. to succeed if you keep failing forward. So, um, you know, I, I, I could sit here and say a million different mistakes uh, that I've made. Uh, but I, I would just say go out there and, and make your own mistakes and learn from them. That's good stuff, man, dude wisdom yeah. wisdom it's it's, <laughs> it's it's cool that you i didn't realize that you had 12 freaking channels man that's nuts i oh, think yeah, you actually know one of the, I, I know somebody that was on your channel i think his name's patrick blonde guy he he does prank videos as well yeah um, yeah he lives in Texas. you know what i'm talking uh, about austin i think he lives in seattle that's now. him he that's does the like, guy uh, that's the guy he works for stuff. microsoft yeah yeah yeah, yeah yeah right right Yeah, he's a great guy dude, How do you know i know him? that dude we've we've chatted a couple of times uh so I got reached out to, I, I knew a guy just from my hometown in Minnesota. His name was Tony Stay, and he hooked me up because I was at the time, I had my first YouTube channel. This is my second attempt at being successful on YouTube. First channel, utter failure. I think I had like 400 subs or something. I, I went with it for two years, just didn't take off. I tried a couple different things. And he was like, hook up with this guy. Like he's, 
He's done it. He knows the game. And it took me a while to like really kind of process the advice that he had, but the dude has done it. I mean, he's, he's got a lot of crazy things that he's done. He's been on Ted talks. His channel's almost a hundred thousand subs. He's super inspirational, dude. Like the guy just grinds. I don't think he's ever sworn in his freaking life, which is absolutely nuts. Uh, but he reached out to me after uh, he saw that you were on my channel. He was like, dude, I did a video with Daz. This is insane. I was like, no Hell way. Yeah. <laughs> That's dude, insane, he, man. He's a, he's, a, he's a good guy. He's a solid guy. I I, I, I haven't got to yeah. meet him in person, but through the interactions that we've had and and uh, through all the talk, like we've, we've stayed in touch over the years. He seems like he's a really, really good guy. So yeah, man. Hell yeah. So, so what do you, what do you think in going forward? What do you think's next for AMC? For AMC? Well, I, I kind of briefly touched on it before, but I think that AMC is going to be a stock that takes a while to truly reach its full potential. And there's a couple different ways that you can play investments. You know, sometimes when you make money in the market, it's not because it's based off of the true company's fundamental value. And I think that's going to be the case with AMC. So I think there's, it's going to run up, I think, to triple digits. I'm going to just come out and say it. I'm not going to give a price target because I hate doing that because then people get pissed off if it doesn't hit that dollar sign. But I think it's going to go triple digits at the very least. And obviously, it doesn't reflect on the actual value of the company, at least for now, at least for now. And that's because of a, you know, a combination of things, the short interest and then something called call options. And essentially what that is, is you can buy a contract from a market maker saying, hey, I think that the stock is going to go above this strike price, let's say $14, right? I think that by this ex expiration date, the stock will be above that price, 14 bucks. And if it is above $14, let's say it's $14.50, $15, $15.50. Well, that contract is worth 100 shares. And if you want to, you're, you, you can purchase 100 shares at that strike price of $14. Well, the clearinghouse for the market makers that write up that contract, they have to sell that to you, right? They have, they have to give it to you. And in order for that to happen, they need to buy it from the market. And if they buy it higher than 14 bucks, you know, they're losing money. So they have to prepare for that or do something called hedging. So that would be like if the if the price of the stock is sitting at 1350, 1360, 70, it looks like it's going to hit 14 bucks. They'll purchase that 100 shares for every single call option that exists, which drives up price action. It further, you know, speeds up the process of the stock going up. And that causes something called a gamma squeeze. So I think what's going to happen with AMC is over the next couple of months, you're going to see this combination of gamma squeezes, which is that call options running up. Uh, it's it's called expiring in the money or the the the, the strike price being below the current market value. And a short squeeze, which is those shorts covering higher than they sold into the market at. And I think it's just going to keep going back and forth, back and forth, keep driving the stock price up higher and higher and higher. until the freaking apes and gorillas and orangutans and silverbacks out there, dude, uh, just decide, yeah, we pledged you dry. We're good. I'm going to walk away with my, with my attendees, man. <laughs> and I think it's going to take a while. I think it's going to take a couple months. Yeah, okay. big time. A uh, couple more questions for you. Have you ever been in a bar fight? In a bar fight? Oh, <laughs> man. Oh, geez. I you already know. know. I already know just off that reaction. <laughs> yeah, man. I've been there. I've been there. So my friends always knew me as the guy that never bullshitted anybody. Like, if I don't like somebody, I'll, I'll, I'll freaking tell you. I'll say, piss on you. You're a piece of shit. And I'll start shit. I don't give a shit. I, I don't at all. I don't at all. I, I straight up will. I, I was a cross country and track guy. And you would think, you know, that cross country track dudes were like the biggest squares on the planet. No, not <laughs> a chance, dude. Not a chance. We drank three, four, five days a week back when I was in college. Like it was bad. It should, <laughs> if I wasn't in college, I would look like I had a problem for sure. But um, with that, obviously comes some some bad ideas, some good ideas, mostly bad ideas. And uh, I had a couple of guys on the team, you know, we'd be at, you know, house parties or in the bar and they do stupid shit. And I was like, if you do that again, I'm going to beat the shit out of you. 
and I did it again. So I beat the shit out of him. And, that was, that's it. It was, it, <laughs> and then it was over. He never I'm did gonna, it again. Dude, every <laughs> single time the guy was like, I should have listened to you, dude. I should have walked away. I should have walked away. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It is what it is. I, I sometimes I think back on, I'm like, yeah, maybe I was too mean, but they probably won't do that again. You know what I mean? It is right. what it is. Sometimes so, you just, so, you just, sometimes you just got to be a dick to people, you know? It no, sounds sometimes, bad, but bad, Sometimes, but. Uh, you know, it's necessary. Not all the time, obviously, but uh, sometimes, you know, it's, it's just what you got to do. So with that being said, who do you think would win in a fight between a grilled cheese sandwich and a taco? Oh, man. Well, you got to think about the, you know, the, the breakdown here. So a grilled cheese sandwich, you've got uh, you've got the freaking are you using white bread or wheat bread, man. White using, bread, wheat. using white bread, but it's a little toasty. Okay, good and toasty. So you got that crispiness, pretty tough, pretty tough right, exterior. Right. Inside's pretty gooey, uh, but you got a taco, and it, it's pretty flimsy, man. I don't know that that taco. It's, well, it it's is not, a hard taco. Same. It is a hard taco. Yeah, but I think about when I eat a hard taco and you you bite it, and the whole Crunch. freaking shell just yeah. crumbles in your in your hands. So I think that grilled cheese is gonna whoop its ass. I think it's game over. I think it's game over. I, I, I think that I think that's it's a good answer. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it yeah, depends on if sense. it's prison rules or not, but you just never know. Spot on, dude. Prison rules, I don't know. Prison rules, I think the taco takes it big time for sure. <laughs> so my last question for you is, say, you know, you wake up tomorrow and boom, you made a million dollars. Hypothetically, we're just talking hypothetics here. You make a million dollars in the stock market. You have to cash out. You have to spend it all in one day. What are you buying? What am I buying? Man, good question. First thing I saw you, I saw you looking Tesla at the Tesla Roadster. Roadster. Yes, I was gonna say that. Yes, dude. The Tesla Roadster has gotta be one of those buys. That thing slaps. Oh, I would sleep <laughs> in that thing. I would sell my house and live out of a Tesla Roadster because those things are sexy. Oh, they're cool. So there goes 200 k I've got 800 k left. Uh I I'd probably buy a track at uh like the college that I grew up in. Those are about 250k. Uh, and then I would name it the ape track. So, you know, something, something gorilla gang, whatever, whatever <laughs> yeah. you had to do, some sort of memorabilia to the, the gorillas out there that made it happen. Hey, hey, uh, we, we, we could call it, track. we could call it Tendy's oh, track. Tendy's track, dude. Spot on. <laughs> oh, see, this is collective minds. We got some freaking yeah, genius talk happening yeah. right now. Look at this. Look at this. That's gold. The last bit of cash. I think what I would do is I would go to Vegas and I would buy or rent some sort of large space capacity and just throw a freaking rager for all the apes out there that made money on whatever let's I made go. cash on. And I'd say, <laughs> let's go, let's eat some freaking tendies, let's drink some Kraken, and just have a freaking good time and celebrate. If I had to, if oh, I had to, I'd if be, I had there. To spend the rest I'd be there in a heartbeat, yeah, man. man. I, I go to, a, I, go, I know Vegas just a little too well, unfortunately. <laughs> Where have you been? Where have you been? I've been there one time. I went to the Luxor. Probably go once a month. I'm in Phoenix, so it's a four hour drive. So, you know, we, uh, we go there, we yeah, film all the time. Go. And, you know, when we go to film somehow, we just end up drinking and gambling every single time as well. So, you know how that goes. But um, I can't say that I walk away from Vegas with many tendies. No, that, is, that isn't usually the case. <laughs> man, I remember my first night in Vegas. They stole my attendees, man. They straight up ripped them out of my, my freaking hands. That, yeah, was, <laughs> that was a tough night, but it was a blast. That's what it was happened. Fun. You, you, you're yeah. paying for the experience, you know? Exactly. It's like going to freaking Dave and Buster's, right? <laughs> Big kid game. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Hell yeah, each, dude. Uh, so, each freaking arcade game is like 10 grand. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's an expensive one. Yeah. You could buy a freaking Dave and Buster's arcade for that. But, um, where, where can the people find you at, man? Where, like, you're on YouTube at Trey's Trades. 
where else are you? Where can we, where can we find you? So I've got a Twitter account. It's called uh, Trades Trey. So it's the same thing backwards. Somehow somebody already had my handle, so I couldn't use it. But uh, Trades Trey, so T-R-A-D-E-S-T-R-E-Y. Uh, then I'm on Instagram. That is Trey underscore Collins underscore zero zero one. I post memes over there. It's not very serious. It's not really stocks. It's just like sometimes I get fan art made by some people and I'll post it on there. It was just a stupid caption. You know, uh, I'm over there as well. Um, and then I've got a personal discord too, where we talk with uh, groups of investors about AMC swing trading, uh, day trading, long-term stocks, midterm stocks, uh, tax season, IRAs, a whole different, you know, bunch of stuff. And, uh, that I'm, I'm in there quite a bit too. So right on, man. Hey brother, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I appreciate you. Everybody make sure to check out trades, trades, uh, YouTube, discord, Twitter, Instagram, you heard the man. And, uh, I will see you guys in the next episode. Thanks, Trey. Peace.